And I think the deeper truth, the one that I talk about is transcending, transcending judgment, transcending polarity, transcending opinions, getting to that higher frequency of love. And no matter what someone else's opinion is, no matter what someone else's judgment is, can you go above that and see yourself in everyone else and have empathy for someone you might, you know, want to not love? Can you go above that and can you resonate at that frequency of truth? What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions. What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really what we're asking is, what the hell is going on? My intention with this podcast is to explore what it means to be human in the modern world through the lens of creativity, consciousness, and personal development. Through authentic conversations with a wide array of guests, including artists, intellectuals, scientists, visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, Being ventures to make collective sense of an increasingly complex world with the unifying goal of building a sustainable future for all. As humanity continues to march full steam towards extinction, we can no longer afford to simply ask, what is best for me? The question now must become, what is best for me and the whole simultaneously? And so, dear audience, I want to inspire you to take full responsibility, to find your purpose, and to engage your evolution as a conscious agent. I challenge you to live your being. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device every Friday. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Now, on with the show. My guest today is Jessica Ann. She is the CEO and creative director of JAM, a marketing agency that develops compelling content for top-tier brands. With a master's degree in communications from Johns Hopkins University, Jessica inspires advocates for Fortune 500 companies through shared emotions and experiences, driving hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue in a way that's authentic and fun. She's also the author of the book, Humanize Your Brand, How to Create Content That Connects with Your Customers. And she hosts her own podcast called The Art of Humanity, where she explores creativity and consciousness with artists, leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs. Today, she feels called to help birth a new frequency on Earth, one that guides conscious leaders on how to use their voices to transition the globe into higher consciousness. She works with leaders who want to start and scale their podcasts into globally recognized brands through her profitable podcast program. Jessica Ann, welcome to Being. How are you? Hey, Patrick. I'm so happy to be here. I'm doing so well. Thank you. 
<laughs> awesome. I'm so excited. Jessica has been such a major influence in my life. She's been uh, a friend, first and foremost, but also a mentor. Uh, and a big reason why uh, I started this podcast, because I signed up for her Profitable Podcast Program, which yeah. is so amazing. <laughs> not, not only do you um, walk your clients through like the, the challenging technical parts of distribution and recording and production, but also, and this is the most important part for me, was finding out what your deep why is why you want to create a podcast what are the emotions what are the what is the purpose behind it and that process for me um going through your program was so valuable and um i just want to say thank you of course my absolute pleasure it's just been such an honor and a pleasure to work with you (laughs) awesome well we can get into a bit more about podcasting later but i want to start with something like truly fundamental here uh one of the um quotes on your website or your bio reads today instead of feeding the fast media approach to news and polarity she delights in the awakenings and truth found in intuition truth is her medicine I love that because truth can cannot be created or manufactured only explored and appreciated so this obviously is one of the most fundamental questions like existential questions what is truth so I wanted to ask you what is truth to you and is truth subjective or and is there like a universal truth Ooh, that is such an amazing question. (laughs) Why don't we just go right in for the jugular? Right to to it. Right to it. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. I love it. Okay. This is a great question. And Mm. yeah, I think truth has a vibrational resonance and a frequency to it. And Mm. it is so pure when it's embodied. And that embodiment is a higher consciousness, you know, and Mm. I'm not going to go like too like out there. I'm trying to like ground the answer. So, you know, it's Uh, all You can go as far as you want. I love it. I love the (laughs) (laughs) It's all really just about finding that vibrational frequency of that higher consciousness when it all comes down Mm. to unconditional love. And, Mm. you know, throughout every situation that we're going through, especially during these polarizing times, it's so important to find that truth find your own internal compass Mm. to navigate these turbulent times. Mm. And, you know, when it comes to whether it is subjective, I would say that we all have our own inner compass. We all have Mm. our own personal experiences and our own history, our own, you know, we've grown up so differently between the cultural upbringing, our families, our ancestral trauma, all that stuff. And when we kind of break through and we cut to the core of who we are, we can find that intuition and we can navigate mm. the world through that inner truth. And it's so much deeper than an opinion. You know, I hear all mm. the time, oh, I'm just going to tell you how I feel because I believe in truth. And that is just <laughs> an opinion. That's just a way to get your opinion in there. And that's, right. that's not truth. That's the opposite of truth. That's judgment. <laughs> That's shame. <laughs> and, and I think the deeper truth, the one that I talk about is transcending, transcending mm. judgment, transcending polarity, transcending opinions, getting to that higher frequency of love. And no matter what someone else's opinion is, no matter what someone else's judgment is, can you go above that and see yourself mm. in everyone else and have empathy for someone you might you know, want to not love? Can you mm. go above that and can you resonate at that frequency of truth? And, and it's one of mm. my favorite words. Um, it's been one of my favorite words for a while. I just have always found a deep resonance with it. 
because mm. of the simplicity and because of the purity of that word. Mm, yeah, no, I love it. Um, yeah, I found like through my journey, discovering what is my truth has been challenging because it takes a, uh, a deep level of trust in yourself and in, in your intuition, especially when we've been programmed to look externally for validation and for, for love and affection all outside of ourselves. So this process of discovering your own truth is an inner journey, which I think a lot of people miss. And then, you know, once I started journeying, journeying inwards, having the, the courage to trust what I found there was really, really challenging. So I want to ask you, what, what are some ways that people, if they're venturing to find their truth, their inner truth and, and get in touch with that intuition, what are some ways that it, they can access it? Like what, how do you find your inner compass and trust it? Great question. Yeah, I think it's really <laughs> tricky, as you said, navigating your own truth, your own inner mm. compass. And I think it's a process. You know, you don't, you know, when you're peeling an onion, you don't go straight to the core of it. You know, you're like peeling it and peeling it and peeling it to get to the core. So I can't say, oh, if you do this, you're going to get to your truth in one fell swoop. Mm. It's one of those, it's one of those things where you're constantly deprogramming and deconstructing everything that you grew up as as a child and and you're deprogramming your education the institution society and culture everything and stripping that away so there's not one cookie cutter answer to get to that truth it's a matter of mm. going through the process and the deconditioning and a lot of that comes from inner child work really so i guess the simple answer to that is inner child work has just been so key for me personally to mm. cut to the core of who I am and reveal who I truly, you know, who we truly are, who I truly am as a human being mm. and not as, you know, the, the human that society dictates that I should be, you know, it's mm. saying, no, this is who I really am. And deconstructing the conditioning of society and um, you know, I've worked with an amazing somatic therapist to do this inner child work, and it's mm. really humbling and it's extremely uh, destabilizing when you first start mm. doing it. So, I would just recommend taking it really slow and having compassion for yourself and really staying true to yourself throughout this whole process mm. because people that are starting this inner child work, it can be very triggering and, um, you know, you're just unleashing and unveiling a lot of the trauma that we may have grown up with, whether we mm. think we have trauma or not. I believe that we all have some sort of trauma. Even if you think you have mm. that per perfect childhood, I think that there's always some trauma to go back on and explore as an adult mm. human being. <laughs> Totally. And I, I count myself as, as privileged in that regard, where I had a very stable and supportive and loving upbringing. But that also doesn't mean that there wasn't uh, programs or conditioning or traumas that I experienced that I've internalized, which I, another thing I had to come to terms with is like, it's okay for me to explore that part of myself. And, you know, because I, I wasn't traumatized as a, as a child, as far as I knew. Um, but I'd love to just ask you a little bit more about the inner child work. Is what does that mean for somebody who has no idea what we're talking about? What is inner child? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think when you um, go, so I've been working with, I'm not a therapist, <laughs> so I highly Neither recommend, I. you know, <laughs> going to a therapist for these deeper questions. Um, but yeah. inner child work, um, happens when you work with someone and you go back to who you were. Most likely there's a lot of, um, things that happened to us before the ages of seven. 
So mm. when we go back and, and look at kind of who we were as these children, um, you know, at these really young, innocent ages and uncover kind of like maybe something happened or maybe it was just a way that our parents talk to us and that's how it ingrained in our own selves and that's how we talk to ourselves as adults and realizing wait that's my mom that's my dad talking that's my inner voice of my parents talking to me that's not my voice Mm. (laughs) so when you realize that a lot of the you know the talk that we do internally comes from our parents and then not only our parents but the programming that we're fed um, as a young, as young kids, you know, through everything as, you know, innocent as a commercial, um, it's these mm-hmm. symbolic ways that we are being fed lies and information that doesn't suit our own beauty that's inside of us. So, mm-hmm. um, so the simple answer to that question is exploring who we were as children at a really young age and then deprogramming that so that we can mm-hmm. access the purity that's inside of our hearts without that conditioning of adults that may have Mm. been raising us. Mm. Yeah. So when I tune into this and just what you're saying, um, there's a a question that's coming up for me is why should we do this work? Yeah. Because say, for example, there's lots of people that are successful by conventional metrics who maybe haven't done this work and they're living somewhat unconsciously, but they are seeing financial or material success like why why would i want to go do this work what why is there um a bigger purpose behind us doing this work for on a on a species level on a consciousness level why is this work important yeah so whew, this is really <laughs> a powerful question because it comes down to embodiment and mm. you know embodiment is this fancy word that gets thrown around but until we actually tune in to who we are and in, in, in our bodies in these human meat suits that we walk around in, we're mm. just going to think that we have the answers to everything. And we're going to have these virtue signaling keys to success that, you know, may look good on paper. You, we may have the PhD, the master's degree, we may have achieved everything that we wanted on paper, but mm. is that truly success? Does that really mm. make you happy? Does that light you up? So when you think about it, and it's funny because I've been talking to a lot of people that are just getting into this now during this tumultuous time, and a lot of people don't even know that this is a thing. And it's a mind-blowing conversation you know, when you wake up to this realization that most of the population and most of the world doesn't understand how to cut to the core of like who they are and kind of, mm. and when you do that, you become sovereign. You become mm. your own best friend. You become, you know, you exude free will in every moment of the game. And I say, I call it a game because it, you know, it's, it's like your Neo in the matrix. It really becomes totally. like that. And you're like, holy crap. Like you follow the white rabbit and then one thing leads to the next and you start getting these signs from the universe. And you're like, wait a second, this is real. I'm literally in the matrix. <laughs> And you can and then creating you can your have, own reality. Exactly. And then you create yeah. their own re- your own reality from the emotions. And one of the keys to doing this work is tapping into those emotions. And mm. a lot of people that are in the intellect and in their minds, when they break through and start feeling their heart, you want to be, you know, I think Joseph Campbell has a, a quote saying, you know, make your heart uh, have the same resonance as nature. You know, when your heartbeat mm. is beating to the pulse of nature, 
you're more in tune and you're more aligned with your body. You're not in your head, you're in your your body. And that Mm. is vibrational frequency that allows you to transmute negative emotions really quickly. And when you Mm. transmute, you you know, because I'm not saying you want to, you know, spiritually bypass the negative emotions. You want to feel those emotions, transmute them, and then you know, be in the higher frequencies of love and joy and bliss as much as you possibly can in a pure way. Don't fake it. Don't say, oh, it's all rainbows and unicorns. You want to be actually feeling that gratitude and that joy and those higher vibe emotions because when you exist in that high vibe state, you can do whatever the hell you want to do in this world and create Mm. your own reality. Totally. Amazing. So before you sort of went down this path, I know you had a lot of mainstream success. Uh, You were a news producer for national media outlets uh, and you had a marketing company, which you still have. But was there a point in your journey where you recognize, okay, I am successful, but I'm not fulfilled. I don't feel like I'm living my life purpose. Was there sort of a, a catalyzing moment, a dark night of the soul, a rock bottom, something that broke you out of it and said, oh my God, I'm, I'm sleepwalking through this. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh man, I I go through that every day. I mean, it's an existential (laughs) crisis pretty much every day, (laughs) which is amazing. Like, it's great. You know, every time I feel like I have an identity or personality in place, it's like, no, who am I really? Who am I without material possessions, without all of this crap, you know? And, And it's really the most humbling journey, you know, to be on. And especially as an entrepreneur, we have the ability to kind of create our own schedules and, and find that internal compass in every moment of every day. So um, mm. to, to answer your question, yes, I think it was right before I launched my business, I was uh, I kind of checked out, checked all the bo- boxes off as all my dream jobs, you know, the glamorous mm. life of national TV. Now I worked in national radio um, and every single job, I think I had moments of joy that turned really quickly into moments of terror. Every time I got my Mm. dream job, it was pure terror. I was like, wait, this is what I wanted. Oh my God, this is awful. Like it it was great on the surface, but internally I was feeling destroyed. I was feeling like I constantly couldn't be myself. And all Mm. I wanted to be was be myself throughout all of these amazing jobs that I've had, which I'm so grateful for. I'm so profoundly grateful for those experiences. But mm. at the same time, all I wanted to do was be me. And you, you have to wear a mask, you know. You have to wear, you know, everything that makes you not you, kind of. And and mm. and that really took me away from my soul's journey. So once I left DC, I was I spent most of my early career in Washington, DC. And mm. I worked in national media and I really saw how the sausage was cooked. And I was like <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it was really, I was young and naive and, and innocent. And, um, you know, now that I'm kind of many years removed from those experiences, I can kind of go back and, and reflect. And, um, mm. but, you know, the key point was launching my business after all of that experience and writing online for the world in starting back in, you know, I think 2012. And I said, I don't care what happens out of this. I just started writing online and I funneled it under the umbrella of creativity and consciousness and technology and humanity. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to write about these four topics in highly nuanced ways, sharing my own experiences and 
whatever happens, I don't care. I just feel like this is my calling. And I started writing online for the worlds and things just took off from there. People found my writing and wanted to hire me as their writer. And I, the opportunity has just exploded. (laughs) So I'm Mm. so grateful that I kind of tapped into that inner intuition because it allowed a whole world to open up where I could be a writer. And that's Mm. truly my calling. And I just feel completely grateful for all the dark moments, the, you know, the dark journey of the soul that I've been on because Mm. it it always leads me to the light and it's beautiful frequency kind of when you transmute the darkness and you get to that beautiful light. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. I just want to come back to one of the things you said about, uh, uh, playing roles and, and wearing masks. Uh, and I read, I think it was in uh, Mark Manson's book, um, how he describes the, the social currency in the West is likability, which means I'm going to play any role or put on any mask in order to get what I want from you, be that uh, sex or money or affection or whatever it is, you know, I'm just going to play that role. And so our interactions are very superficial with each other. And so we go around playing different roles with everybody in our lives. It might be different with our partner or our boss or our friends or our mother. We're all playing different roles. And so when we come to this place and usually in midlife, that's what usually cues the midlife crisis. Like, wait a minute, I'm none of these roles that I'm playing. Then who the hell am I? And so that's like, <laughs> it's, it's easier to stay <laughs> playing, playing one of those roles because they're familiar, even if they're uncomfortable than it is to completely dismiss all of those roles and say, okay, who am I at the, at the root? Because that means for some time, you're going to feel like you have no identity and that's terrifying. So when I heard that, it's like, oh my, (laughs) the void, exactly. Right. The unknown is, is scarier than the known that is painful. Right. Mm, Yeah. So taking, taking that, that's what the leap of faith was for me anyways, leaping off that and saying, I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to take this leap because I can't stay here. Right. And so, and that comes back to the trust I was talking about. It's like, you need to take that leap and trust that you're going to be supported. Trust that the next stair or the next step is going to appear because you've taken the next one. And it does. And I can tell you from experience, it it always appears, right? It looks like you're about to fall flat on your face. And sometimes you do, but the next step appears and the next step appears if you have the faith and the courage to take them. So I just wanted to to throw that in there. Yeah. Um, But the steps become the step, if I can just iterate on that idea the steps are no longer steps it becomes a spiral so Mm. you know the former life you know the game a life um is steps you know and you're like always taking one step after another but then when you start down this intuitive path it's literally like a spiral staircase going around Mm. where you see things from new perspectives as you're going up and around and you're like wait i've been here before but it's slightly different because i have that embodied experience but i'm just going to keep going up whereas And it's more dynamic and it's more fluid and it's more expressive versus the stairs. Mm. You're just like going straight up. It's just, it's very mechanical and robotic linear. Exactly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. totally. Beautiful. Well said. Um, Mm -hmm. We've talked about it already a little bit, but success is such a a stigmatized and energetically charged word. I think these days, like what does success mean? Uh, And you've just sort of described your journey, but what did, what, was your version of success when you were younger and how has it changed now? And can you sort of differentiate between the two? Absolutely. I love this question. Mm. I know, right? <laughs> um, you know, as a, yeah, it's, uh, as a kid, my version of success was very masculine. You know, I think that we all kind of had this idea of 
just plowing through it, you know, regardless of how we feel in our bodies. We have to mm. use our minds and force our way, fake our way. You know, it's it's really it's I call it the three F's, you know, it's fast, forced, and fake. And <laughs> And, you know, and, and that was how I saw success and I didn't know any better. And Mm. and it's the same thing with media. It's fast media, it's forced media and it's fake media. And, Mm. you know, now as an adult, I love slow media. Slow media makes you laugh, question and think. It makes Mm. you question the status quo, you know, and slowing down, nurturing your inner child, having compassion, having joy and, you know, and it's not anywhere close to the success of the previous life that I lived or, you know, how I was raised or how many of us viewed success and successes in quotes, because mm. I don't see that as success at all today. I see that as, mm. you know, I don't want to go back there. And I, and I think that we are creating the new world by having conversations just like this to mm. show and, and, you know, embody our experiences in our lives to say, you know, we don't have to continue this outdated version of success. And this new version of success is just beautiful. And, um, you know, it's being free and and being true to our own bodies and listening to the wisdom of our body in every moment and knowing Mm. what to do instead of, you know, waking up by an alarm and, getting on calls every day. It's just, wait, like you can actually question the narrative. You can create your own narrative in every moment so that you Mm. are nurturing yourself and having a beautiful experience of life. And that's what we all want. Mm. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I just feel it in my body when you, when I hear you speak about it, it's just like, oh, it feels good, right? In your body (laughs) and that embodiment. Oh, amazing. Um, Another quote from your bio says, um, Today, she feels called to help birth a new frequency on earth that guides conscious leaders on, on how to use their voices to transition the globe into higher consciousness. Uh, and through that, you use uh, people to, uh, to help people to scale their podcasts like you're doing with me. So I wanted to ask you, what do you mean by birthing a new frequency on earth and transitioning into a higher consciousness? And how can podcasting be one of the vehicles that get us there? Yeah. So, you know, when we tap into this frequency of our voice, it's, it activates our cells in mm. our body. And it's a frequency at, that we're not familiar with as humans because we're so used to the fast, fake frequency of news and information mm. and advertising. And instead of consuming advertising, podcasting is art. So when Mm. you consume art every day, you are bringing in this high resonance, high vibrational frequency where we're not just having conversations on the surface. Yeah, it looks like we're having a conversation and that's fine. It's, you know, totally cool. But on the deeper cellular level, we're actually actually imbuing ourselves with good, we're we're nurturing ourselves and we are Mm. changing our bodies in every moment in these conversations because they are, they're listening. Our bodies are listening to this voice activation Mm. through that's coming through our throat chakra, which is so powerful. And it's tapping into that wisdom that we are, that's here in every moment. We just are learning how to access it in new and more vibrant ways. And Mm. podcasting is the true vehicle for expression of truth and higher love and universal frequency 
and the universal yeah. sound of om, you know, it's, you know, we go through yoga and we om all the time at the end of practice or at the beginning of our practice. And it's this universal um, frequency of the, of the universe. And uh, it's just a beautiful analogy and symbol and symbolism for kind of what podcasting mm-hmm. feels and how podcasting feels in my body for myself and for many of my clients, because uh, they are able to, you know, transmute and actually embody their own inner wisdom through these conversations. And when they do that, they're actually breaking through to the other side of their narrative. And they're saying, nice. you know, I'm not going to consume the BS stuff that we are conditioned to consume. I'm going to create my own reality. I'm going to have conversations that are in higher resonance for me today and create my future. And that's where true sovereignty lies. Oof, I'm feeling that deeply. <laughs> I resonate <laughs> deeply with that. It's awesome. And it's, I think it's a beautiful way of maximizing uh, the technology available in a, in a positive way that uplifts the frequency of the planet rather than say something as social, like a social media, which, you know, uh, um, gets you limbically hijacked and into, you know, emotional state, which is not in your highest resonance is actually moving you to your fear state, your lowest resonance. So that totally. was one of the reasons why I was attracted to podcasting is like, I can actually use my voice and the technology available to broadcast a message in a frequency that is of the highest magnitude, the highest mm. frequency, and which is, uh, you know, enabling me to more positively impact the world in a, in a great way, which is amazing. Um, and you're right. It's Absolutely. like having these conversations, yeah. having these conversations activates ourselves and each other on a cellular level We're we're almost... You know, we're speaking with vocabulary, but we're exchanging energy and frequency and codes between each other. Yeah. And so I was even a little bit nervous before I got on this. And this is, comes back to the, um, the trust element. But I took the step. I took the leap and just trusted that I would be in flow and, you know, the wisdom would, would channel through me. And that's exactly what happens when, when you trust yourself enough. Um, so thank you for nurturing me and holding me accountable and allowing me to develop this part of myself because it's been so rewarding and I'm only 12 episodes in. So who knows what will happen <laughs> next? <laughs> I love it. So awesome. It, yeah. And that's exactly what it comes down to. You know, our bodies are the technology. And yeah. when we use our bodies as a technology and we have these conversations, the podcasting is the tool and the channel, but our bodies are mm. the actual, I mean, obviously podcasting is the tech too, but the wisdom of our body is the technology today. And I always go back to that. Mm. Totally. Mm. Totally. Um, so you are also an author. You wrote a book called Humanize Your Brand, How to Create Content That Connects with Your Customers, which uh, amazing. And there's a great uh, review on Amazon from Jeff Brown, who I'm a big fan of, another author. And he says, this book reflects the next paradigm, one where we make a better living when we can actually take off our masks and get real with our customers. Finally, a book that invites us to make no distinction between our humanness and our marketing strategy. And that just resonated so deeply for me because this is this is the new uh, paradigm of marketing. But what would you say to somebody who uh, doesn't know what that means or doesn't know how to take that step into to, uh, owning their authenticity in their marketing and they're sort of stuck in the old paradigm? Mm, yeah, I love Jeff Brown and his work. It's been really instrumental yeah. for my personal growth. And a lot. Of, he does a lot of the inner child work as well. Um, so mm. it's been helpful as well. Um, I think when it comes down to what you were talking about earlier about um, the compartmentalization. You know, we are one way at work, we are another way at home. And when you can be the same person 
and not wear that mask with your clients, mm. with your dog. You feel you want to feel the same way with your dog and with <laughs> when you're out on a hike, you know, as you do with your clients. There shouldn't be any disconnection from that part of your soul. And mm. when I consider it, so we're all going through life, right? And there's this vertical, you know, connection to source, right? And it's we can tap into that, whether that's before we start our work day and we're in meditation or whenever we decide to meditate and feel that frequency of love and, and tap into the God, whatever you want to call it, the universe or God, spirit, mm. source. Um, and mm. then there's the horizontal and that's, you know, this, it's the interactions with each other. It's the day-to-day grind. It's the grocery shopping. It's, you know, the, the mundane daily tasks of life. So it's a matter of kind of feeling that connection, that vertical higher source connection, and then bringing it into every relationship that we have in the horizontal world. And when we do that, we can feel that unity and harmony with ourselves and that same frequency that we feel with, you know, with that higher power, we can feel with our clients, we can feel Mm. with our friends, we can feel with our family, it doesn't have to be separate. And I Mm. think, you know, that's a really big distinction. And it's really key to tapping in to our own sovereignty and our inner power and truth. Mm. Mm. And I think it's uh, what just came up for me is it also you're not dumbing down your approach to to reach an audience in a certain way, the old paradigm way. You are actually speaking a higher truth at a higher frequency that invites the client or whoever, the customer, to rise to that, to uh, to summon that frequency in themselves. So actually by doing authentic marketing, you're influencing the planet and the consciousness by not dumbing it down, not watering it down, by really you know living in that authentic truth and inviting your customer, your clients, or your audience to to rise to that level as well. So that's it's just beautiful, and that's it, that's why it feels so good when you do it. And this is something again that's for me has been challenging because it does require that level of trust. You know, there's when I first got into sort of coaching and entrepreneurship, it's like okay, there's all these frameworks and marketing and rules, and this is how you do sales and blah blah blah. And those are yes, the masculine energy that's important. But if you're not coming from an embodied, aligned space first then none of those frameworks or strategies are going to matter. You're just going to you know, be going through the motions and get you know, lukewarm results, which I did for a long time. So it's been really uh, part of my journey to fully come into alignment first and operate from that space. You know, Coming back to the morning practices, you know, continuing to tune into that energy every morning, setting yourself up for success, and then creating from that space. Rather than asking, what am I, what am I creating? It's like, where am I creating from? is more mm, fundamental, right? And totally. so that's been my, yeah. And that's just saying that out loud feels so good. It's like, oh, yes, I'm creating from that depth <laughs> of alignment in my heart center, right? Which then it radiates out and naturally magnetizes your clients to you or your, you know, your audience or whoever it might be. So it's, it's, it's somewhat counterintuitive to the old paradigm, but once you tune into it and you feel what it feels like, it's like, oh yes, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <Right? laughs> absolutely. And, and just trusting it. Absolutely. Just yeah. letting go and surrendering to it. And you might not even know what it looks like today, Yeah. but if you continue yeah. to like build off that momentum, you'll find that frequency. You'll find whatever's yeah. next. Like for years, I remember talking about embodied marketing. I was like, oh, it's embodied marketing. And and I had no clue what it was. No clue. (laughs) And I just kept referring to it as embodied marketing. And then one day I woke up and I was like, wait a second. Embodied leaders 
actually exude their essence when they podcast. You can't fake it. You actually have to mm. embody your marketing. That's not something yeah. that you can pay. You, no amount of advertising dollars will allow you to embody your message. So totally. when I brought in the podcasting component, I was like, this is embodied marketing. And then it all clicked totally. into place. But you don't know how many months and agonizing days went by where I was like, what is embodied marketing before I birthed <laughs> this program? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think that that will resonate for a lot of people is we can understand things intellectually, but it's really until we embody them, you know, that we truly understand it. And that can come back to what we we're talking about. Truth is like, okay, I, I kind of understand what truth is, but my truth, I'm a little unclear. But once you feel it, it's undeniable what your truth is and what universal truth is, because it's a feeling rather than words or intellectualism, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, are you feeling lost, frustrated, angry about the state of the world, but unsure what to do about it? I get it. The world is a pretty messed up place right now. Yet in these interesting times of shattered realities, many people are using alcohol to escape and numb their feelings of anxiety, dread, and uncertainty. I know. I did it for years. This is why I've made it my mission to support brave souls in mastering their inner world and finding a deeper sense of purpose. To that end, I created Reset 2020. Reset is a personal transformation mastermind group with the intention of resetting your relationship with alcohol and becoming the best version of yourself in an empowering, supportive online community. To check out more about Reset 2020 and to watch my masterclass video, head on over to go.patrickcooklife.com. Remember, cook is spelled with an E, C-O-O-K-E. So it's go patrickcooklife.com. All right, now back to the show. So you mentioned earlier game A, and I think uh, this would be worth unpacking because there's um, sort of a theory on game A and game B and what that, how that relates to where we are in the world right now. For somebody who's never heard of these terms or knows about the theory, can you sort of unpack that for us? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I love talking about this uh, because I... Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I interviewed Jim Rett on my podcast, and um, the concept comes from someone named Jordan Hall. So mm. just to give them credit for... And it's not really about that because it's all about coming together as a collective and talking about this stuff. But I first got mm. introduced to it when I was listening to podcasts with Jim Rett on it and reading all about this new world. And it was so helpful for me because, you know, I'm a part of all these different communities, spiritual communities that are really like out there. And then also really the nerdy ones. And it was like, how do you kind of bridge that gap? And I like to kind of intellectualize and analyze things first. So when you bring the equation of game A into the mix, it's this former paradigm that we're all we're all really moving away from, you know? So mm -hmm. it's like when we actually cut back and realize who we are, then we can lean more into game B. And when we lean more mm. into game B, game B is all about creativity and consciousness and sustainability and the future of life on earth. <laughs> and mm. um, it's, you know, going back to the earlier questions about success, it's tapping into how we all see success now. Now that we are mm. done with the old paradigm, the new paradigm is game B. The new paradigm is coming together collectively and saying, hey, what are you good at? 
and, and saying mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, like using our strengths and working and building from a place of strength and wisdom and embodiment instead of going back to the old way and saying like, I'm really like, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty and insecurity and trying to prove yourself in game A versus game B mm. is no proving and more embodying. Mm. Yeah. The way I sort of understand game A is, um, and just to add on to what you're saying, is it's kind of the, with the status quo or the way we've been operating since, you know, the dawn of civilization, you know, the last mm-hmm. 10,000, 100,000 years. And right. it's basically, it's, it's got a foundation of rivalry where we are in competition with each other for scarce resources. And so that's mm-hmm. going to show up as, you know, win-lose games where I, if I don't have the resources, then you do and vice versa. So we're always competing for, for scarce resources. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yep. Wh- yeah. Which is, you know, once we become a global system, we can no longer, you know, go to war over scarce resources because now we have the technology just to destroy each other. Yeah, where, where we'll just level the playing field for everybody and then we can no longer play this game. And so it's coming to a head where, okay, this game has worked to a certain extent for the last, you know, 10,000 years or something, but we've come to this place of exponential technology where we're in a global community where we cannot continue to extract resource from the earth and turn it into trash at the level we're doing with the population control or explosion that we're doing. It's an unsustainable path that ends in termination. And so that's kind of what game A is. So Game B just was born of, okay, well, what, what is an alternative? What could possibly be an alternative to this path towards extinction, right? And so overcoming rivalry, overcoming competition, overcoming scarcity. Um, and then one of the other things that I remember is, um, is broadcast modality. So before it's, you're getting all your information from a king or a queen or a network, you know, where it's one, one uh, entity disseminating information to the masses, now with the internet, it's more of a decentralized um, network, but it's very, it's in its infancy. So we're kind of, you know, it's, we're using it poorly mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's causing a lot of destruction. You can see in the social media landscape, you know, it's just causing more polarity. Um, but what if we could come to a place where we're using decentralized intelligence in a more cohesive way? And I think this is a big part of game B. And the only way that we can show up in community or in collective intelligence is to do this inner child work that we were talking about earlier, is to, to really heal yourself on an individual level first. And so when we do get into conversations like this, and we're exchanging frequency and codes, then we're both at our highest level. It's not one mm. of us getting triggered down into fear and then dropping the other person down into fear, right? Totally. And so, yes. And if we, can, if we can begin to do this at scale, I think that's where the game B model will really be based. It's like, okay, we can have a decentralized collective intelligence that's based on truth and cooperation, not on scarcity and competition. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I love Mm. this concept and it's so key to our future because, you know, and, and people that are academics and researchers have actually found out and discovered that the future to our humanity is in doing the inner work and it's the inner work first Mm. and then comes the external work Mm. because until you actually heal yourself, you can't heal the world. And Mm -hmm. until you actually heal yourself, you're going to point the finger at everyone else except yourself and say, if you do this, if you wear a mask, if you do this, the world will be better. And I'm not, that's not a political comment. It's just saying that, you know, putting the focus on everyone externally is going to be your 
the way that you see the world will get better. But no, we actually have to point mm. the finger at ourselves and direct that energy, that negative, you know, a lot of people may have a lot of um, judgment, you know, and shame, but directing mm. that inward and not through self-hate, it's done through self-love. And then, mm. you know, giving ourselves compassion when we're doing this work, because then when we turn and reflect and contemplate all of these big, big, huge planetary problems on ourselves, we actually mm. realize that we can make more of a difference in this world then pointing the finger or blaming or talking about solutions, you know, and that's, mm. I hate that word, but it's like everyone <laughs> says solution to this. And it's like, no, inner child is a solution. Like just go mm. inward and don't speak and just contemplate. And I think we'll all come out on the other side of this with a different perspective. Mm. Yes. Beautiful. I love that. And you know, it's such important work and it's, it's somewhat counterintuitive because a lot of us want to do something about what's going on in the world. So we're looking outside of ourselves. Like I want to solve, I want to come up with solutions, but I think it, what's most important is to do the inner work first. And it's somewhat counterintuitive and it takes courage to, to actually do it. So I applaud you and everybody out there that's, that's doing the work. Um, that's really what's needed in the world right now. Um, awesome. So I want to shift gears a little bit and just talk about creativity because it's something that's uh, like at the heart of my life. Um, I've been a musician my whole life and music is such a big part of my life, creativity in all ways. Uh, but I want to talk about, uh, ask you about what is your relationship with your own creativity? How has it changed over time? And where does creativity come from? Is it an internal thing or is it external? Is it a combination of, of both? Oh, I love this. <laughs> creativity. Oh, I love this topic. Um, you know, <laughs> creativity comes from source, I believe. It comes from a higher mm. power. You know, I anything that I have created in this world, I don't feel like actually comes from me, like a personality. Mm. I feel like it's really comes from a download, like a channel. I've kind of become a channel and, and it's definitely changed over time. And I think it comes down to trusting yourself. And knowing mm. kind of what is your true soul and what is your ego, what is the personality. Mm. And how do you tell the difference? Oh, it can be very challenging at first, um, <laughs> for sure. Especially, yeah. I think um, does it feel resonant? Does it feel good? Are are you going to? Um, I think a lot of marketing today is self congratulatory, and mm. we have to know when we are just patting ourselves on the back and when we are really vibrating at that higher frequency and that higher wisdom. And a lot of the times, you know, we are programmed to create things that will get more likes. And mm. when we step away from whether anyone will like it, it doesn't have to be any, like one person, you know, can like it or zero people could like mm. it. Do you like it? Mm. Do you mm. feel like you're putting your your soul out in the world? And um, mm. do you feel that you're going to actually, you know, contribute to your own personal marketing? <laughs> it's almost mm. like internal marketing, internal GPS marketing, um, because you are so in tune with who you are as a human versus allowing the program of society to make you want to post something for the likes. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's really tricky to navigate that because, you know, we're on social media often and we're constantly posting mm. things and you want people to like us. It's a human trait mm. to want people to like us. So mm -hmm. when we kind of remove that facet from the game and focus on what are we creating that nurtures our growth and our transformation and our evolution, that's how I like to 
know the difference or discern the difference between ego and soul. And that's how we can tap into creativity. Mm, love it. Yeah. So one of the things that sort of helped me is um, being able to discern what is my mind, what is my ego, and what are my thoughts just by becoming the observer of them. And this is why it's so important to cultivate some self-awareness practice, be it meditation or breath work or even yoga, um, to to recognize and be able to watch our minds. Because it, you know, typically in the West, we're just so in this beta frequency of productivity, logic, intellectualism, um, you know, uh, caffeinated, you know, highly in tune. And that's rewarded in the system, obviously. But when, you know, when we go home at night, we don't know how to turn it off. And it's just like, ah, this noise. So we go out and distract ourselves. For me, it was alcohol was my, my number one. Um, but if we can, if we can learn to how to sit still long enough to be able to, uh, remove ourselves and create space between the noise, the, the voice that's operating in our head and our truest self, that's when we can really discern between the ego and the soul, right? And the more you sort of cultivate that on a daily basis with practice, then you can begin to watch the ego and say, oh, there it is. You know, it's doing this again. There's the voice again. But really, this is my soul over here that is in control. And again, it comes back to what I was saying about where are you creating from? Are you creating from that ego, the scarcity, the fear, the anxiety? Or are you creating from that knowingness, that deep trust of the soul intuition? And having the, the self-awareness to discern between the two, um, which is fascinating. Uh, I just want to ask you again about, yeah. so you feel like creativity comes directly from source and you're just a channel because this is something that's fascinating I, I don't know the answer to but in my experience it's a bit a bit of it's a bit of both so yes you are connecting to something higher than yourself maybe it's the quantum field maybe it's collective intelligence maybe it's god whatever you want to call it and you are um, being a channel for that uh voice that wants to express and so you are channeling that energy but you're also using your unique lens your unique gifts um, as the, as the channel for that creativity to flow through. And so, you know, and there's an interesting uh, anecdote where Tom Waits, I think is, is driving down the road and it's like, he gets this hit of inspiration. He's like, dude, God, can't, can't you see I'm driving? You know, like I can't, <laughs> I can't write this down right now. You know, it's like, go, right. go bother Leonard Cohen or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, totally. you know, but being available uh, with, with through what I was talking about a minute ago, just that stillness and self-awareness, being available for that hit of inspiration and, and being open to it coming and then being the, uh, willing to be the vehicle to allow it to birth into this reality, I think is really what creativity is, right? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's key that we remember that we do have these human bodies on this plane. Mm. <laughs> Because it's easy yeah. to forget. It's easy to say, oh, it's just source and we're all just these, you know, floating around. And and that's kind of, that's my work today and every mm. day is to ground that into practicality and to ground that into how do we actually become these vehicles to express. And uh, mm. I love, I love that part of what you just said, because it's really about allowing that to flow through you. But then actually like once it's like in us, like how do we actually communicate that out into the world, which is key. And that totally. comes through in so many different ways for me personally. And it, and it, depending on the um, uh, movement has been a huge influence in my life over the years. So I notice how different forms of movement allow me to tap into different forms of creativity. 
So when I run, I can access a meditative state and I'm physically moving my body, but I'm literally, I don't feel my body. And then after I'm done with my run, the, I can just create amazing. Like, I just feel like I'm in a better place to create amazing art. And the same thing goes for yoga. It's a different form of movement, but when I do yoga, I leave, you know, my yoga mat and I step off the mat and I'm a different human and, uh, you know, I can channel that creativity a lot different than a run. Mm. So movement has been key to my creativity and different types of movement has influenced my creativity over the years as well. And knowing what mm. type of movement and what type of exercise is needed on any given day is a part of grounding and a part of accessing creativity and our inner truth to communicate that to the world. Yes. And I think it's important to note that the creativity that we're talking about isn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to be an artist to be creative. You know, you don't have to be a painter, a musician, or a writer to be creative. In fact, all of us are creating all the time, whether we know it or not. We're creating our circumstances through our thoughts, through our emotions, through our actions, right? And yeah. so when you, when you are more embodied, you're in a better position to create what you actually want. That's the best for you and the world at the same time. And so, you know, a lot of it is about clearing out the noise in our creative channel. And that can be, you know, inner thoughts. It can be the media we're digesting. It can be food and the drink we're, we're ingesting. You know, all these things contribute to blocking the creative channel. So the more we can remove those things and enter that stillness, enter that clarity, and allow that creativity to flow through us, the more it'll be in alignment with our soul, giving us what we actually want in the world and benefiting everybody else at the same time, right? Which is why this work for me is so powerful. It's like, fuck yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> I can have totally. everything I want and be doing the best for the planet at the same time. They're not mutual exclu- mutually exclusive. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the beautiful yes. part about being an artist, you know, or whether you're an artist or not, it's allowing, showing people that we all have this power in ourselves to communicate love out into the world in every moment. Totally. Awesome. Uh, well, Jessica, this is just so amazing. I, we could sit here rapping all day long <laughs> and uh, I'll definitely have to have you back on the show, but uh, I just want to be cognizant of your time. So um, I'm going to end with one last question that I love asking people. And it's, if you were to take all of your experiences, all the knowledge and wisdom gained and distill it down into one message, what would it be? Oh, wow. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm going to have to go with listen, explore, evolve. Mm. That has been my, uh, you know, that's been my tagline for my podcast for a while. And um, I still believe that when we listen to these types of conversations like we're having, or when we listen to, uh, you know, like music that we love, (laughs) your your Mm. music or any music that lights us up, you know, we can explore our own intuition. And then that allows us to evolve our, not just our own personal selves, but our humanity collectively. Mm, Fantastic. I love (laughs) it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and uh, spending this time with us today. Uh, Do you want to tell everybody where they can get in touch with you, where they can find you for the Profitable Podcast program and your marketing agency? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, you can find my podcast at artofhumanity.io and you can find me on all the socials at beingishuman. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. I'll put all that in the show notes. Anything to add before we wrap up? No, I mean, you can get my book on Amazon and Audible as well. uh, Humanize your brand. So 
feel free to check that out. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Jessica Ann, thank you so much for joining us today. And we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you, Patrick. Such a pleasure. <laughs> Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate, and review. For more information and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, live your being.